0: If you look at, uh, let's take the ants, tiny creatures, fairly simple in their appearance and also in their behavior. Each ant tends to have one task, okay? You you work, you defend, you look after the queen, you feed. But if you look at the system, the society, then it's amazingly complex what they do. Welcome to The Change Lead, the podcast providing leaders with the insight needed to get things done in a rapidly changing and complex world. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Connect with our community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. Welcome to The Change Lead, with your host, Babatope Ipiyumi.
1: The real challenges of our day are complex challenges. Whether it's the implication of machine learning or the need to transition away from fossil fuel, the real challenges leaders need to deal with are complex. So here's a question. What does it mean to be a leader in a complex world? To discuss this with me is Beatrix Eder. Beatrix is an award-winning leadership coach, facilitator, and speaker. She works with seasoned and emerging leaders, helping them to become more competent and confident in practicing inclusive leadership. In this episode, Beatrix and I have a conversation about leadership in a complex world. So stay tuned, I'm sure you will enjoy it. Hi Beatrix, Uh, thanks for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me. So good to meet you, (laughs) Babatope.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, like I said, I'm looking forward to this conversation because over the last couple of years, I'll probably say two, three years, I've started looking a lot into the topic of complexity. Not a lot of people speak about it. So I'm always intrigued when I find people who put it in their LinkedIn profile that speaks about complexity. Say, okay, what's going on there? That's quite <laughs> unique. Um, it's actually one of the, there are many motivations, but it's also one of the motivations for starting the podcast here as well. Mm -hmm. because once you get into the field of complexity at least what i found is it gives you a lens through which to understand the world um slightly differently so i'm curious to understand a little bit about your journey so how did Mm -hmm. you get into the field of complexity
0: yeah so complexity sounds very scientific and and mathematic uh driven but that's not my approach i think what brought me to complexity there are probably two bigger reasons one is you know the tangible um, aspect of it it's the recognition of how things are entangled in our world um, and how they influence uh, each other and that um, whatever we do uh, there is an impact uh, whether we know of it or not So that was what I call the uh, tangible side of it. And then there is the less tangible or even the more spiritual side, which is the value of interdependence. And again, I know in Western society, um, we like to think of ourselves as super independent and that's something that people want to cultivate. Um, I personally don't believe in it. We are not islands. We are in a connected web. And again, whether you're aware of it or not, and whether it is on the individual level, community level, organizational level, um, small things that someone does in one area can and do have consequences and impact somewhere else. So these are the two uh, things that moved me um, to complexity.
1: Interesting. I like that. I think you're probably just touching the tip of the iceberg in there, mm-hmm. but I like the <laughs> I like the the way that you describe the fact that you may not even be aware of that interconnected nature of reality, um because if you've not been trained or brought up to think it's real, you engage in the world as if we're all islands, like it, in your words, um but in reality I think you, you're not we're we're not islands there's there are so many things that connected and we're probably seeing a lot more when we look at what's happening with supply chains, when we look at the global economy, um, something happens somewhere in the world. And if you really take a step back, you can see the the connected nature. So I think you're you spot on there that there's a, a yeah. lot of connections across. Um, for for someone coming new to the, to the field, mm-hmm. so maybe this is the first time they're really trying to get interested in the topic of complexity. How would you describe, is it even possible to describe, how would you describe complexity
0: yeah that's that's not always easy so i i think i would start by saying that complexity or a complex system is a large network of several components that by themselves have fairly um, simple behavior but together they bring out a collective behavior that is, uh, you know, larger than the sum of the parts. It's also that. Um, I think it's important to note also that complex systems have no control. So it's not like an organization with a CEO and then uh, the leaders. It's um, I like to take a few examples because those are more speaking than you know a theoretical yeah. <laughs> definition of what complexity is. Um, An example might be um, insect colonies, ant colonies, or a a beehive. If you look at, uh, let's take the ants, tiny creatures, fairly simple in their appearance and also in their behavior, each ant tends to have one task, okay? You you work, you defend, you look after the queen, you feed. But if you look at the system, the society, then it's amazingly complex what they do, uh, both in terms of architecture, of you know how they live, in terms of tasks and collaboration. There are some ants, um, they build bridges with their own bodies so other ants can cross from one point to the other. They build chambers where um, they control the temperature. That's pretty amazing. So this is uh, an example. Um, Our immune system is another example. Plenty of small components. Each one has one specific, fairly simple, basic task. But together, um, well, it has a huge importance because they protect your health. And they also learn, so they... um, use information and process information, both from the inside. So if we stay now with the immune system, they use and process information. What's going on in your body? How do we respond to that? And what's happening in your environment? And how do we need to respond to that? So there is a a element of adaptation and and emergence in it. The World Wide Web would be a third example.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think you can. You're right with the World Wide Web. I think, and it's one that a lot of people will relate to as well. I think, if I, I think you probably best better to explain, give that example. Actually, um, everybody's putting content out on the web. As in, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to use use follow your 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 pattern here. So Everybody's putting out some information on the web, um, and everybody's doing their own little thing. But the web as a whole is. Is a system exactly. where you see emergent behavior, emergent trends. Exactly. Um, it's interesting. And if, it's if inter-
0: you want to reduce it, like in the example of the web, so like really crystallize it, the basic activity that people do on the web is posting content or linking to content. You know, if we really, really boil it down, these are the two basic activities that we do. But together it has well, created a sort of collective intelligence and it has also changed behaviours.
1: Interesting. I think, I the the phrase you use, you said that nobody, you can't control a complex system. Nobody's in control of it. I think I remember you you said that at the beginning. So if you there's relate no that to... There's no central control. There's no central control. Okay, yeah, no central control. Okay. Um, so if there's no central control and you're a leader, Mm-hmm. Um
0: <laughs> what
1: did, what then? what then is your your role? I as love a that leader.
0: I love that question. <laughs> yep, I think that's a big question, especially in you know a traditional approach of leadership where um whoever is in a position of leading others is supposed to know it all and give direction and and um, take swift decisions. and You know, I don't think there there are absolute answers. Um, So for sure, this still works in certain contexts. But overall, I think that in the 21st century, there is a need for a different type of leadership, which is less top-down, less pyramidal, um, and it's more um, what I call collaborative and inclusive. Collaborative insists more on the way that we take um, a shared approach to power and uh, that we take decisions together, again, depending on context, Um, the inclusive side. So when I speak of inclusive leadership, that focuses on how do we work skillfully with people who are different from us in their identity, in their background and necessarily across Um, dynamics of power or differences in power
1: okay interesting so if if a leader so like you said particularly in the west we tend the west we tend to see individuals as islands organizations as islands if a leader has been brought up in that environment that's what they've been trained that's how they're incentivized what's and they begin to explore realize that the world is actually in reality complex you cannot that paradigm is probably to your point not relevant or not appropriate for the century which we're entering into now what do leaders need to avoid what are the things what are the kind of pitfalls that they need to avoid in this situation are there any thoughts or any, from your mm-hmm. coaching um because i what, what the reason why i'm asking i think i'm seeing leaders beginning to become aware of this and and you seeing very hesitant tentative action in this direction they're not you, you can tell that they're not sure what they need to do Particularly mm-hmm. these the smart leaders not those that are just dogmatic smart leaders they know they need to change their ways of working
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not clear that anybody's got it right there's no pattern to follow so it's a mostly a conversation to start with okay how we're in a complex world we've not been trained to deal with this yeah. What is the leader supposed but to do? Again,
0: I don't think that there is one uh, golden recipe or a bulletproof uh, way that uh, works for every single individual and every single organization. It depends on, you know, the individual. It depends on the uh, size, the maturity of the organization, um, the industry, and and how they work in. But overall, I think some of the pitfalls. Just to uh, come back to your question. Um, one, for example, is what I call a mechanistic view. And what I mean with this is really to analyze things and take them apart, you know, like the, the way you would take apart a car in its components and look at the components. This approach can work in more simple or, or situations and, and, um, questions where it's easy to control, but in a complex system where each part has a role and the way they interact together is not just A plus B plus C, it becomes something else. So you cannot do it with what I call this mechanistic uh, view. And this is actually what we are trained for uh, in our families, at school, at university, um, in many um, leadership trainings. So I would encourage people to have uh, a more systemic uh, view, more organic, looking at systems and how do they interact. Um, what is the environment that they operate in? What is happening in that environment, in the immediate environment, but also in the larger um, environment?
1: I think I think you you yeah I think you you're, you're right there. You need that some um, systemic view. Um, are there any I mean, maybe it's the wrong question. Are there specific things, or maybe not even specific things, for leaders to do to begin to develop that kind of attitude? Um, So, they face a challenge, and instead of, to your point, straight away breaking it down mechanistically, how do you approach a challenge um, systematically?
0: Well, it's it's a different kind of awareness. Um, I think it's really, again, not looking and and and, you know again we we do need to focus in and zoom in but if you always zoom in then you will miss the bigger picture so i think especially when someone is in a position of leadership they need to be able to zoom in but also zoom out and actually this is another uh, pitfall that um, i think is important to avoid it's seeing things in a this fairly um, narrow, superficial and short-term um, view. And this is again what um, happens very often in organizations. People need to rush, they have their uh, deadlines and uh, you know we look we tend to look at the end of the quarter um, but then what happens beyond the quarter and what happens beyond, my team that I manage or the department that I manage what happens maybe even beyond the organization and in the communities or environments where we operate what impact do we have
1: yeah you're right I think it makes a lot more sense to have that ability to look both narrowly but take a step back to your point that bigger bigger view um 'Cause the more I think and you're right, the more I look at it, I think I've looked at the, the topic for a few few years slightly a little bit, not not as professionally as you. Um I, I look at what's happening with the fact that we need to transition away from fossil fuels. The whole system is engineered towards a goal and nobody independently can can change the direction of travel. So it's quite mm-hmm. challenging to make that it's quite hard to make that transition. Um When we look at what's happening with machine learning and artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. um, most leaders are looking at what can I do to make sure I don't get left behind? Not Mm -hmm. the larger, bigger challenge, which is globally as a global community. How do we as a global community make the best of the situation of what's emerging? And it is emerging. It's no central control, um, (laughs) to your point. Um, but it is it is emergent, so it is um, it is quite interesting. Um, I'll, I'll probably just giving two examples. What other do you see any trends we can expect? What kind of complex challenges can we expect over the next couple of years, or even opportunities? Because there must be opportunities in this space. It's easy to look at the threats, but there must be opportunities as
0: well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we we um, again as humans we. We don't like uncertainty, we, we want to have this control or this illusion of control. Um, and who says certainty, it's, I guess it's, it's this desire for predictability, knowing what will happen next. Um, and ideally what happens next is according to my preferences. That's what, what we long for, but that's not how it works. And, and I guess that's also less and less how it works because in this world that is increasingly um, diverse and connected the change is just coming faster and faster with more impact on areas that before this connectedness were not impacted so as you say it's how can we embrace uncertainty or change and i know that on you know on a Cognitive level, I guess most people know that nothing is permanent. Yeah, of course. But on a cellular level or the heart level, um, I don't know many people who say, "Yeah, I thrive on change."
1: <laughs> no, I think you're right. I mean, I think because sometimes I think about, I think I like the way you put it there because I sometimes I think about it that there there are only two ways, and I'm gonna probably there are only two ways I can see this working out is one either people change to to be able to thrive and change to feel comfortable with uncertainty but that's not human nature or we build societies that abstract that level of uncertainty away from most people and mm-hmm. the uncertainty exists and we have effectively almost a bubble um I, I i don't know which one is better um because the first one is going to require a lot of individuals to be comfortable dealing in an environment that's it's not built into human nature to be comfortable in that much uncertainty the other is almost like human humanity becomes childlike effectively and the system around deals with the complexity and uncertainty mm-hmm. um, that i don't that's my right now my thinking in that space it would be, be interesting to get your thoughts on that as well but it, that, that's my current. you
0: know i was thinking that actually <sighs> I guess people don't have uh, always an aversion against change. You know, we also have a craving for change. You know, it should not be too monotonous either. Um, I guess the question is, is it change that you choose and expect or not? And it's the ambiguity and uncertainty that goes often with change that is stressful. And as you think of, um, you know, when you, when you ask people what are the, I don't know, biggest events or milestones in their lives, they will often talk about things that involved a lot of uncertainty and, and risk and ambiguity. It's when they were starting to date their partner of life, it's when they have left an employment and started uh, a company. It's when they invested in, I don't know, buying a house or you know some riskier uh, investments. and if that turns out well, you know it's a huge reward. And often, especially when it's about life changes, uh, career, it's also something that shapes then your your character and and helps you to grow as a person. Yeah
1: you're right. I think those are you at the personal level, you're right those Periods of big transition in your life are times that you is you look back on and you're grateful for. In the moment, you might be very apprehensive, but when you look back, those are the actually you're right. Those are the the highlights. Yeah. Um. If if you look at because you you've got the privilege of speaking to lots of leaders, organizations, coaching. What would you say is the one thing that people organizations need to be focusing on? right now so i'm just looking at the context of right now maybe i'm asking the wrong question again because it's not like complex paradigm. No, it's, uh,
0: all, all questions are a good question <laughs> but, you know but, as a, but, i work with questions
1: <laughs> but but it, it is it's, it's always I'm, I'm always intrigued to know based on the perspectives people different people have you you eventually figure out that there is there are a couple of things you really need to focus on a lot lots of things will just be noise and details Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of things are what we really need to focus on. We're good to get your take on what you're doing, the work you do. What is it that we really need to focus on right now?
0: It's a different way of really thinking and making sense of what's happening. And it needs to be, again, more uh, contextual, more systemic, more strategic, um, and more interdependent.
1: You know, so we have, to, we have to think differently and it, it's, it's a challenging one, you're right, because I'll use an example when I think about governments, for example, mm-hmm. most governments have, in the context of the challenges they face, a very short time horizon. So if it's a four year cycle, um, mm-hmm. you don't have the time, you don't have the incentives to do anything sensible. <laughs> um, but here you speak
0: mostly of like european or western uh governments uh
1: cor- cor- that that is that is correct and i and i'd be good to get your perspective as well because you've i know you've had you've, you you worked and live in Asia as well, so it'd be good to get your take on on how that is so but when I look at government even um organizations i think companies can sometimes be slightly better because the term of a leadership can be different so you can set, get a little bit more longer term thinking, but I have seen it quite challenging with governments that have mm. that short time horizon that it very many times the real issues get just kicked down the road um, yeah. yeah do you yeah. see that as different uh, in other places in, in the world
0: so so that's what you described seem to be thinking of the, the European to some extent the, the American um, style of, of government uh, where yes you have four or five years uh first you need to convince people to vote for yourself then you need to make them happy uh and deliver on what you promised what got you voted but then if it's like bigger changes you will probably not have the time because then again you need to convince them to vote again so you don't want to bring up the difficult decisions um You know, I'm definitely not a person for politics, but having lived 17 years in Asia, six in China and 11 in Singapore, again, two totally different governments. And here, I just want to highlight that they have a much longer term perspective. They develop plans for 15, 20 years. And it's, um, you know, they, they pull it through. And if you look at the changes that both countries have gone through, um, in terms of economy uh, society uh, public health um, it's pretty incredible
1: so there, there is something to be said of that longer term perspective that ability to just pull back don't focus on just the next quarter. what is it that we're trying to do over the long term um, whether it be a government or, or organization or business uh, an entrepreneur um, just trying to pull back and say long term I think yeah. if, we, if, we're, if we're honest that's how we we treat our families as well as and that's how we treat our children we don't look at just what we're doing today it's look back this is an investment this is
0: this but as you said organizations have probably a little bit more freedom there if if they want to use that uh, freedom and and influence because um well there are less um you know less regulations that if, if they if they are uh, agreeing on something to go into a certain direction they can implement change and organizations can have actually also a a huge impact on on society and and even influence governments so um i think that that's something worth keeping in mind um when people are um in in roles of leadership in organizations
1: yeah indeed um i think in closing, it would be good. I think we talked a lot about complexity. It would be good for our audience to know a little bit about you. I think you only touched on your journey a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But we're good to know, you know, who is Beatrix? What do you do? How can people reach out to you? It would be good to close on that.
0: Sure. Um, So who is Beatrix? Um, Well, in my professional role, I am a leadership coach, but that's, of course, just one part of (laughs) who I am. Uh, I'm also a a mother, a wife, uh, a friend, a daughter. um, And um, so originally I'm Hungarian-German. I live in an intercultural marriage. Uh, My husband is uh, from Tunisia um and we have third culture kids who were born in singapore and we raise them you know between our cultures speaking three languages um and uh yeah and so in my work i tend to um, mainly work with organizations um, who sponsor their employees and it's either for training and webinars and workshops um in leadership development complexity um uncertainty how to navigate um, these turbulent times that we live in um, and then also coaching uh, whether it is individual one-on-one coaching or uh, group coaching in a in a setting with several people
1: nice I think you, you have a very interesting background as an, and I like the way you express that you're not just one thing the, and that's how we all are um, <laughs> there's, there's so many facets or some many times we don't express it all i think you've done a brilliant job of expressing a lot of it um if people want to reach out to you what's the best way for people to to reach out to you
0: LinkedIn. just connect with me on linkedin you'll find me under my full name beatrix ader um and um yeah i usually accept uh invitations and it's always good to connect with people
1: (laughs) yes indeed I'll, i'll put your link to your linkedin in the show notes so anybody watching listening can reach out to you. Um, Beatrix, to. thank you so much for your time. I think this has been insightful. I think, at least personally on my journey, learning about more on complexity, and I'm sure anyone watching listening would have learned a lot from you as well. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you for inviting me, Babatope. Okay.
1: <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Beatrix. If you would like to connect with Beatrix, check the show notes for to find details. If this episode was of value to you, please consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcast. Now, leaving a review is the absolute best way to support the podcast and ensure I continue to have great guests on the show. You can tune in in so many places on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Audible, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, the Chainlit website, and many more. To continue the conversation, please connect with me on LinkedIn. And let me know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day and see you next time.